Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. Oh, man. Hey, Chris. Hey. How's it going? Good, good. I feel good. like I get to stretch out in front of you a little bit. This is fun. <laughs> I love I love pulling up the chair and just chatting. So good. Hey, let's get right into it. Uh, pulling up something there. What are you, what are you drinking? What, mm. What's uh, on the menu today? Oh, you caught me mid-sip. And this is, you know, so this was a, a new Costco special. So I okay. still kind of have the jury out on it. It's called Legiant. <laughs> what it is, it's, a, it's an American bourbon, but it's blended by a Japanese master blender. Hello. Yeah. So they, they flew them over because, you know, Japanese whiskey is just hot on the market. I mean, you really okay. can't almost buy any pure Japanese whiskey these days because it's so rare, so mm. valuable. In fact, uh, I, they, maybe they've changed it now, but a few years ago, the entire Japanese industry, which by the way is only three distilleries, put out a joint statement saying, we're not going to produce any more what they call um, age statement whiskeys, right? So a 10-year, a 15-year, 21-year. They were only going to do blended whiskeys because their whiskey was in such high demand that they just could not supply based on name state really? whiskeys. So now, I mean, you, you can still buy some blended Japanese whiskeys, but honestly, it's like, it's bottom of the barrel stuff. The good, any, any good Japanese whiskey is going to cost you anywhere from 150 to $400 a bottle. Got it. So, it, and this is available at Costco. Well, no, this stuff, this is they, this was Kentucky saying, Hey, since they're oh, in such high demand over there, I, I bet it. there's some master blenders who are bored right now because there's nothing to blend. Cause it's still waiting to cure for another, however many years before they can mm. blend more. So they brought someone over to blend their stuff. Okay. Um, so it's actually really affordably priced at Costco. Um, so I thought okay. I'd give it a try and I like it. I like it. This is, I think my second or third, um, tasting of it and it's it's quite a delight legion okay yeah legion okay fantastic i i mean i guess it shouldn't surprise me you don't think of japan as being a, a whiskey connoisseur uh right. but they they do things very high quality over there so i i i'm not sure why i'm surprised by that but that's fantastic <laughs> that's really great uh i today uh not Last time we we chatted, it was a beetroot latte. Uh, I will say that that is not in the uh, in the mug today. I still have nightmares about that beetroot latte. By the way, you should. <laughs> so uh, what yeah. what's it today, Chris? Yeah, it's uh, just that, you know I've got a I got a little chai a little chai tea mm. going. Made a little bit of a kind of a latte out of it. Added a little bit of cream, kind of mm. accessing my uh, European side. I put a little cream in my tea. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's jump right in. Uh, I love. Love hearing what you're drinking. You, see, you you're so much more sophisticated than I am. That's why I get to just learn about <laughs> these things that I don't drink very much. Perks of um, boredom, Chris. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I I've got some questions for you. This, you know, we want to make these a conversation, and and we're certainly going to do that. But today, I've been talking to a few folks. We've got some mutual friends in common, some mutual contacts, and wanted to take some time today just to help explore and unpack a little bit about you, the brand that you have, what you and Jen are doing uh, there where you guys are at in your world. And some of the questions have come around. Uh, if, if anybody follows you guys on, on social media or whatnot, or, or your brand, it's, it's tenderly rooted. Um, and I'm kind of curious about this. I, I know a little bit because I went to your website and, and read it and we'll, we'll give the website here in a little bit, but can you unpack uh, a little bit of 
how that came about. Like my kids and I were watching a lot of Marvel movies right now. So maybe give us the origin story of, <laughs> of Tenderly Rooted, how that's going into a brand and, and, and how all that's going. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a good question, Chris. Um, well, it started back in 2015, really on accident. Um, you know, so as maybe most origins go, we didn't realize what we were kind of doing when, when the idea came to us and it's been evolving and continues to evolve since, but it started with just a simple, you know, hashtag post on an Instagram photo of our garden, right? That was it. And it was just, you know, one of 10 or whatever, but something about it just kind of grabbed me. Um, and then, you know, that was in 2015 and then in 2017, still kind of just lately in the back of my head, I had this idea kind of rolling and I think we'd bought the domain name by them, some other things. And, you know, we, we didn't really have an icon for it. We didn't really have a brand image, something easily to communicate kind of who we were. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, I was in Thailand, um, and I was at the night market, um, in Chiang Mai up in the North. And, you know, there's just all these street vendors and I just blown by these street vendors and a lot of them had t-shirts hung up, you know, just packed with t-shirts, but one just, I mean, it just jumped off the street. You know, there's a lot of sights and smells and delights, really, really wonderful things to catch your eye. But this in particular caught my eye and it was a t-shirt and it, it looked, I mean, as similar to our logo as it could be. I mean, I, I just, I wish that there was a, a way to capture it better because it was just such a passing thing. But mm. it it was this image of a tree that was a deer, that was a deer, that was a tree. Um, and there was something about that image that like above all the noise and distraction of a busy street in Thailand, it said this, this is the image. Um, and then in 2018, I read Parker Palmer's book, a hidden wholeness, which, I mean, just huge shout out. We talked about on season one too, but like there hasn't been a better description of what a soul is to me that I've ever come across than Parker Palmer. Who's, I mean, he's a Quaker, um, theologian, amazing wise man, but, but he gives this image of what the soul is and he gives it a few different ways, but this one in particular, um, I'll just, I, th there's this quote from the book that just haunts me. And so I'll just, I'll read it so I don't get it wrong. But he says this, he says, the soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods shouting for the creature to come out. But if we're willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge, and out of the corner of an eye, we'll catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we seek. And I love that picture, that the soul is this incredibly strong thing, and yet it emerges on its own terms that it's exceedingly shy. And there's just, you know, I was in leadership circles for a while, especially in church ministry. And we we're talking about how do we encourage leaders? How do we, how do we have soulful leaders, really present leaders, really human leaders. And there's this built in tension with soulfulness 
that shies away from the spotlight that leaders are always thrust into. So there's this image of like, okay, there's this idea that, you know, when you're out and we have deer all the time here in the, in the orchard and, you know, when, when we watch them quietly, we can watch them move. But as soon as we begin to move towards them, even when we're looking at them, they disappear. Mm. And, and there, it's this idea that a deer is the most ephemeral thing in the forest. One moment you see it, one moment you don't. And then you have that contrasted with a tree. Mm-hmm. A tree is the most certain, stable, reliable thing in a forest. You know, my dad's been a farmer his entire life, and he always would joke with other farmers, particularly livestock farmers. And he'd say, well, you know, the great thing about trees is that when I go on vacation and come back, they're right where I left them. <laughs> <laughs> you hope. But you that's, hope that's the, the truth yeah. about trees, right? You can you yeah. can have a childhood home that had an oak tree in the backyard and yeah. you can come back 50 years later, 10 tenants later, and the whole house can be remodeled and that oak tree is still standing, mm. right? There's something about a tree that is just timeless, present, rooted, and unmovable, we have entire songs about the unshakable nature and the placedness of trees. And there's something about that that evokes the soul for me. There's something about this eternal like bulwark of presence of what it means to be a soul-filled person and to be a person engaging in the presence of soul. Yeah. And and so there's these two things that feel when we just talk about them in words as though perhaps they're opposed to each other. But the beautiful thing about the soul is that it's this transrational existence, that it includes and surpasses and usurps rationality in its existence. It doesn't ask for rationality to justify itself. It simply exists. It is transrational. And so in that space, it's non-dualistic. So it can actually be both this shy deer that's ephemeral and this rooted tree that's persistent mm-hmm. and present. And so then the blending of this, of this, like we hired a a graphic designer out of Argentina to help us with it. And she did a fantastic job. And, you know, I, I had this idea from Thailand in my head, um, you know, and then we had had some work ourselves on what it meant for us to be tenderly rooted. Yeah. Um, and so then this graphic designer took all that and put it in this image, which of course you can see on any of our merch or our website or anywhere else you go. Um, and, and you can see this image of the the deer's antlers become tree branches with leaves and the deer's legs become roots underground. But the designer did this really cool thing that I just think is brilliant is she had the front foreleg of the deer lifted and the deer's head is swiveled backwards. So it gives the deer this look that it's it's ready it's ready to bolt at any moment. It's always on the edge of motion. And yet it's this tree with roots going down deep. Wow. So I, I I love so to me that is tenderly rooted. Mm-hmm. That whole expression of iconography and image and attachment to this these this concept um, that is what it is to be tenderly rooted. 
How is that translating to what you do day to day, how you approach? Because now, now that you're a farmer, you're out there in the field, you're out there with the trees, you're walking over the roots, right? You, maybe you do see a deer fleeting off in the distance. Uh, does that, do, do you think about it on a daily basis or is that something where it's just something to kind of go back to every now and then? You know, I think I do think about it on, if it's not daily, it's five, five days a week. I mean, it's, it really is something that I carry with me and, you know, maybe not hour by hour, but usually at some point in the day, something happens and I'm reminded of it. Um, and it really is kind of centering and anchoring a reference point, um, for a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Does it drive any value? Are there any values around that, that, that just kind of help center you during your day or during your week or during your month or during harvest or anything like that that kind of brings you back? During harvest, there's a lot of practical values that keep me sane because <laughs> harvest is a long, brutal season. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is it, it becomes or is becoming, I should say, it is becoming this almost totalizing worldview in mm. that it's opening up channels of relationship to things and people and places and time Um that I relate to it now on this different scale because I have the image to guide me. Mm. And I think that's one of the powerful things about religious iconography through time is that it really gives us that visual language to move through the world. And so as I've been living into this image for the last couple of years, it's done the same thing for me um, that it's given me, I I've been able to see things differently the first time around, right. Mm. Instead of having to kind of chew through it and think through it a, a little bit to get somewhere um, which is not a frame of reference I had, you know, maybe five or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I like that you said, you know, it's been maybe a five or six year journey, um, that you've been walking through this. You, you mentioned a few words and, and I'm so curious why, why cultivate, cultivate, and you've mentioned this soil, Mm -hmm. soul, and city together how how does that all blend yeah maybe without going too much into the history of it it wasn't always those three words but i i like soil soul and city because of the syllabants at the lead of the words they're all four letter words and they have that it's hard to that, say quickly together right i know and i love it cultivate soil soul and city it's it's mm-hmm. fun and then a lot of times people will misspell one or the other so it'll either say soul soul or soil soil, soil, soil. yeah, <laughs> and it's, yeah. Um, but, but it's, so let's start with cultivate a little bit first. Um, I, I had this moment, it was into our second year of farming where I had this, this kind of aha. And and honestly, I'm sure it didn't come from inside of me because I just do so much listening to other people's wisdoms that I'm sure it came from someone else or as an amalgamation of other people's wisdom. But it struck me from within myself, this idea that I, my father, my neighbors, the entire country, there's not a single person who has ever grown a walnut. Mm. And, and I mean, you can, no one's grown a tomato. No one's grown a cucumber, an avocado, a, a ear of corn. No one has ever grown any food. Mm. All we do is we set the environment for growth. That's it. That's the whole role of the farmer. And, and if you think about it, and this is true of every crop that I know of, and I could be wrong because there's a lot that I don't know, but so let's just focus on walnuts a little bit. When the walnut is actually growing on the tree, 
we work really hard to not touch the walnut. Mm. Everything we do is in harvest when we're actually reaping the fruit as it's fallen off the tree. Post-harvest when we're doing all the winter cleanup. Springtime as we're doing all laying the groundwork for all the nutrition and getting everything set. And then the summer, it's irrigation, right? Keeping the trees watered and keeping the pests off the trees. That's all we're doing. Mm. So our energy doesn't, even the work we do doesn't go into the fruit. It all goes into protecting that fruit, keeping the fruit attached, keeping the fruit healthy, keeping the fruit pest-free, full of water, full of nutrients. All we're doing is setting the environment. And so the word for me is not grower, but it's cultivator. Mm. Because that's actually the work that I do. The very practical when I get up tomorrow morning, what I'm going to go do is I'm going to go continue to cultivate my orchard. The tree, well, I guess they're still asleep. In a couple of weeks, they'll start waking up. By the time this podcast comes out, the tree will be <laughs> growing walnuts, but I will not be. Mm. That's the first part. Soil. Uh, soil is life, man. I mean, we can't get away from it. I think we even mentioned it last week a little bit. Like if if there was not six inches of topsoil on the surface of the earth, none of us would be alive. Right. Just point blank. Right. So soil is life. So we got to cultivate soil, right? That's just, and and we'll have other episodes and other guests on who talk more about that, but that's just point blank. We got to cultivate soil. Right. Soul, again, I mean, our breakneck pace of culture, we don't take care of ourselves, right? So we're seeing anxiety. We're seeing mental illnesses. We're seeing increase in therapies and pharmaceuticals just going through the roof because we as a human species have forgotten how to cultivate soulfulness Mm -hmm. or perhaps we didn't forget. Perhaps we never knew. Yeah. City, because there, there tends to be this false divide between rural and urban between those of kind of the monastic uh, wilderness and the busy urban hub. But the city, the city is a place where we come together. The city is a place where we become community. The city is a place where we engage in arts and culture. The city is a place where it's all drawn together. Mm. And so the city is not something at odds with the countryside. The urban dweller is not at odds with the rural dweller, or I should say they don't have to be. And so for us, this idea of what does it mean to cultivate all of these three things together is really this merging of a vision of a renewed earth, right? Of the sense of like, there can be a different way of moving in the world than we currently move in the world. And it doesn't require leaving out any of the things that we love, right? Because there's proponents on one side or the other that, you know, there's people who, would love to never have to grow food and soil ever again. They want to do everything in vertical farms and other stuff. And there'll be a, a, there'll be a place for that in the growing world, but not exclusively to it only, although some people would encourage that. Then there's other people who think that, you know, we should just, you know, all move out of cities and just abandon the whole city experiment altogether and go back to living in the woods with, with skins, you know, and, and that's just unrealistic and unsustainable for the human population as well. I wouldn't so, last a day. <laughs> and well, honestly, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Um, so, so for us, it's it is this inclusive sense, right? That we want to bring the whole earth, the whole human, and the whole conglomerate of humanity called culture, all on this journey of cultivating and renewing and increasing. 
Yeah. I love, there's a couple of things that you mentioned there that as I'm listening and I'm thinking of even in my own life, I, I love that you said right now, the trees are asleep. Like what an actual thing that I don't ever associate with trees, but it's true. <laughs> the trees are asleep. They're going to wake up, you know, and, and what a, what a, a great, almost humanitarian way to, to approach <laughs> trees, right? Of, they're sleeping. My son and I were on a walk the other day and this tree is just in full bloom. And, hmm. and I didn't even look up and notice it. And my son said, dad, Hmm. that tree is just beautiful. And I looked up and it's like, um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. The tree's awake. I guess it's, I guess it's time for the trees to start waking up. But the way that you said that, I, I didn't think of it that way, but it's exactly what you said. It's like, Oh, the tree's starting to wake up and, and what a beautiful picture of what's happening around you and how you're, I, I love this idea that you're cultivating it. Right. I don't, I don't hmm. grow anything and just serendipitously today. I, we, we had uh, one of our business partners over and out in front of our house we have a, a, a kind of a hydroponic tower. So this was one of our homeschool experiments is we're going to get this tower and we're going to put it all together and we're going to have the pump at the bottom, pumping all the water up and we're going to grow strawberries and we're going to grow, you know, a little basil and, and all these little things in this tower. And I was, he asked me, he's like, are you doing anything? Cause it's just barren right now. There's <laughs> nothing. There's just this tower of plastic and rock. And uh, I said, you know, <laughs> I don't know because as much time as I spent with electricity running that pump 24 seven, trying to put the nutrients in the water, uh, you know, maintaining the water levels and all this thing, you're right. It's a cultivator. And like, I think we got like three strawberries on it. And speaking of deer, like uh, you, you painted a very romantic picture of deer, but I got a real love hate relationship with deer. Let me just tell you that and they're trying to eat my little urban garden here. So true. So, true. <laughs> but, but it, it unlocked something for me that I was, I was kind of resenting a little bit. I'm like, man, I just spent so much time and energy and money on that dang little vertical garden. But you're right. It's like, I wasn't responsible for growing any of that. I was just there to cultivate it, to water it, to nurture it, to make sure that dang pump was plugged in. <laughs> and then we're going to see what's going to happen. Oh, and to fence it off, which yeah. we learned. Yep. Yep. <laughs> to protect it. But, uh, it, it, it is such, I wouldn't trade the experience and, and, and I actually want to do it more. Um, because I, I think I've shared with you, my grandparents, I grew up on kind of a, a, a smaller farm and my grandparents yeah. had gardening and it's such a good memory. I'm like, I, I think I need to get back to my roots. Uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't that an interesting image right there too, right? <laughs> Speaking really of metaphors is. that we carry with us. Yeah. We got to get back to our roots. Hmm, what does that mean? And that's our show. If this conversation was meaningful to you, like it was to us, leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. This has been such a fun conversation and we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, you've heard enough of our voices. For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com slash of dust and divinity. Join our Facebook group of dust and divinity podcast community and engage with us on Instagram at of dust underscore and divinity. 
As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Thank you.